Well, good morning. Is everybody sleepy today? No? Okay. Well, good morning. My name is Cleet. I'm one of the pastors here along with Mike and Pastor Nick and Pastor Charles. We get the joy of helping to shepherd this church with the head shepherd being the boss, and that's Jesus Christ. He tells us and gives us our marching orders and tells us what to do. And so we better obey his command. So we are going to get right down to Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 through 17 today. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 9, 14 through 17. We have been going through the book of Matthew, and it has been a delight of mine to actually be studying that. It is amazing how Jesus turns a lot of things about religion on their head, especially for the Jewish people. And once again, Jesus does not disappoint. He does it this time in this passage. Verse 14 of Matthew 9, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Now this is John the baptizer, or as probably many of you heard, John the Baptist, even though he probably was not Baptist, because I don't think they had Baptists back then, but um, he did baptize. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guest mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. Pastor Mike preached on the verses preceding this passage and we cannot divorce what we're going to learn today from what Pastor Mike preached on the last Sunday. Who can tell me what he preached on last Sunday? I figured. Well, hey, okay, Jesus calls sinners. There we go. It took you time, but you got there. SC, you bailed them out, didn't you? <laughs> and Brian. But we cannot divorce this passage from that passage, Jesus is reclining at a table, eating with these tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees come to him and wonder, what's going on here? We don't associate with those people. And Jesus has some words that he puts forth to him and kind of uh, rebukes them in some ways and tells them, listen, I am here for the sick not just the well or the righteous. And he goes and tells them to go learn something 
And this is what he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came to call the righteous, came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, I'm assuming the next part that I just read, Jesus is still there reclining at that table. Now, he gave them instructions to go learn, but obviously they had more questions, and John's disciples were part of this. And here we go again, a question for Jesus. Why are your disciples not fasting? Why? We are fasting. Is that not what we do as followers of Yahweh, as followers of God? We fast. Matter of fact, we don't just fast once a week. We fast twice a week. And typically, they would fast on a Monday or a Tuesday. And then again on a Thursday. And it became a ritual for them to do this. And it was more out of piety than really devotion to God. It was something they did. There was a time to fast that was commanded by Yahweh. And in Leviticus it tells us on the Day of Atonement that they were to fast. Now these people were so good they decided to take it every week and do twice. Now, was that wrong to do that? And I would say no, but they wanted to hold everyone to their standard of religiosity. And they made extra rules and expected others to follow them. So they come and wonder, why are your disciples not fasting? And so what we're going to look today at is Jesus is the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. Now Jesus had come with a lot of teachings in the book of Matthew. He was having the Sermon on the Mount, and we've already talked through Matthew 5. We went through the Beatitudes. In Matthew 5, we also talked about being salt and light in our communities, in our workplaces. In Matthew 5, we see Jesus fulfilling the law. We see Jesus detailing some things about anger and murder. And what did he say? He's like, if you are angry with your brother, it's like what? Murder. We, we see he turned some other things on their head. He said, if you lust after someone... It's like committing adultery in your heart. Now, I just heard an interview with a guy that a lot of conservative people like. His name's Dennis Prager, and he's a Jew. And he would not ascribe to Jesus being uh, who Jesus says he is, the Messiah of the Jewish people. And I heard an interview with this man who is a devout Jew say, if you commit adultery, it is sin. But if you lust after a woman, it is not sin. As a matter of fact, I don't have a problem with pornography. So the same way of thinking that the Jews had back in these times, Jesus was turning it on its head. But unfortunately, some people still think that way today and would claim morality. And they are not moral because as we know, lust is a sin from 
Jesus. The Pharisees, who were the Jewish teachers of the day, wanted to hang on to their old ways of thinking. They wanted to put their own rules forth. But Jesus was putting forth a new way of living. In Matthew 6, he talked about giving to the needy. He was teaching us how to pray. Matter of fact, in Matthew 6, he also had told them how to fast. He said, don't dowel yourself up. Don't look dour. Don't make yourself look like you're fasting. Don't be telling everybody about it. But as we see, they completely ignore the message. Jesus told them not to judge hypocritically. He told them how to deal with human relationships. He told them about false prophets that would come. Jesus gave them every bit of knowledge that they needed to live a life that was pleasing to Him in this time. But their traditions were trumping their love for God. And Jesus, in verse 13 of Matthew 9, quotes, and we just read it, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He was quoting Hosea 6.6, and this is what Hosea 6.6 says, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Did he want sacrifice? Yes, but he would rather have their love and devotion and a knowledge of him more than just doing out of ritual. I was thinking about my own marriage. What if I was having an affair, but I told my wife, but I'm putting gas in the car, baby. Like, I'm paying the, the car note. Um, I got you a place to live, but kind of like her too. Like, she's sweet. Would, would that be a marriage that was healthy? No. But what Israel was doing was sacrificing to God, but off with other idols and worshiping them. And that's a problem for a lot of us today. We say we love God. We say we love Jesus. But unfortunately, our eyes get turned away from Him. Yet we still may come to church on Sunday. Yet we may still read our Bible. But is our heart where it needs to be with God? So what is the point of this message? This passage, thanks Pastor Mike for giving me this one. What is the point? Of all of this, Jesus is the bridegroom. And this harkens back to the Old Testament where God is referred to as a bridegroom. We can even look at the New Testament. Revelations 21.2 says, And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Paul in 2 Corinthians 11.2 says this, I feel a divine jealousy for you. For I betrothed you 
to one husband to present you as pure virgin to Christ. Kids, ask your parents what a virgin is. Um, I'm not going to get into that today. But that is the language of the New Testament. We are the bride to the bridegroom of Christ. John 3. Many of you know one verse in John 3, don't you? Which one is that? 16, yes. For God so loved the world. But I'm going to go to a different verse in John 3. We're going to look at John 3, 27. And this is John the baptizer again. He's, John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have come, I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. So what is he saying there? He's like, I'm not Jesus, because people were following John the baptizer. I'm not Jesus, but I have come to tell you about him. I'm not the bridegroom. He actually is. With this context, you can understand why Jesus, when John the baptizer's disciples come to him and said, why are your disciples not fasting? He calls himself the bridegroom. Because John had already seeded that in their thoughts that this is the bridegroom. Why does this matter? Why does this matter? Jesus walked this earth 2,023 years ago. For 33 years, he walked this earth. But people did not recognize who he was. And he's saying to his disciples, I am the bridegroom. You don't need to fast while I'm here. What do you do at a marriage? We were just at, I remember, Joe and Essie's um, recommittal marriage service, was it? Um, I remember being at Tina and Nick's and Charles and Sarah's and anybody else in here I've been to their wedding? Carolyn, I haven't been to yours yet, but I'm coming. No? Okay. I've got a video of Carolyn saying she's never getting married. But <laughs> what happens when you're at a marriage, at a ceremony? Feast. And everything is about the couple, right? I mean, your focus is not on you. If it is, you're there for the wrong reason. Oh, and you too. That was on the west side of the state. Why do you go to the ceremony? To celebrate Tom and Becca. To celebrate Charles and Sarah. To celebrate Tina and Nick. You go there to celebrate them. And Jesus was the same way. I am here. Why do they need to look dour? We are here for a celebration. This is not a funeral. And so they did not need to fast while Jesus was on earth. Now, Jesus has been taken away. And he says, there will be times that you will need to fast. Now, these are the times that we should fast. Jesus is not here physically. Now, we have the Holy Spirit residing within us if we are Christians. But Jesus, our bridegroom, is not here. And so, yes, we want to stay connected. We want to live for Him. We want to be for Him. But these are hard times without Him. 
The Holy Spirit is a comforter, but there's still, now is the time to fast. They were rejecting the bridegroom, though. They liked the idea of marriage, but they didn't want to be married to Jesus. They didn't want to obey His commands. They didn't want to listen and do what He said. Now we come to two parables that uh, are in this passage of Scripture. And I'm like, what am I going to do with these? I don't know anything about unshrunk. Well, actually I did wash a, or a dry a wool sweater once and it turned into like a Barbie doll thing. But So I do know about shrinkage. But um, what is Jesus trying to say here? And it got me thinking about some of my t-shirts. I have some really, really comfortable t-shirts. And I, as you can imagine, my comfortable t-shirts, they're a little holy. But that's what makes them comfortable. I have worn them over and over and over and washed them over. I haven't washed them, but they've been washed over and over and dried. What Jesus is getting at here is who would take a brand new Fruit of the Loom t-shirt out of the pack and cut it up and then take that patch and put it on the old t-shirt? Like, why would you not just wear the new t-shirt, right? The new one doesn't have any holes in it. But what the Jews wanted to do was they liked that old t-shirt. And they wanted to take a little bit of the new and add it with the old, which never works. And so what I understand about shrinkage in garments is if you put a, a patch on there that has not been shrunk, what happens to it? It shrinks and then breaks away, right? Because the other is already shrunk. Now, I don't think we have to deal with that at least most things I read on my label say pre-shrunk. So, But I think the t-shirt illustration gives clarity to what he's trying to say. Why would you add to the old? Why would you got this new? You have got me. You have got the bridegroom. Why do you want to go back to these old ways of doing things? I have come to fulfill the law. I have come to fulfill the law in me, Jesus is saying. The law is fulfilled. You need me. And in the, there is freedom. He also talks about some wineskins and, and fermenting some, putting it in an old wine. It's going to bust. And I got thinking, okay, what is he talking about here? Well, I've made beer before in a five-gallon bucket. And I think Mike and I, our first... Um, person who came on board to support Restore Church gave us a beer-making kit. So, I mean, okay, what do you do with that? I guess you try to make some beer. So we put a five-gallon bucket, and on the top of it, after you get everything mixed, there's what's called an airlock. And you put that on there, and you add some sanitizer in there. It's like an S. And it lets the gases come up so the five-gallon bucket doesn't explode. The gases can be released, but doesn't let any bacteria into 
the whatever you call it, the mash or whatever it is in there, never made beer since. We made one batch, and I guess it turned out okay. Um, but what he's saying here is during that fermenting process, if you put it into something that's old, that's been already kind of brittle and used, it's going to burst. You have to put it in a new wineskin. Jesus and the gospel is that new wineskin. You don't add the old to the new. Too many times, though, we, as well as the Pharisees, like our traditions. We like our comfortable ways of doing things. And Jesus is saying, no, there's a new way. There's freedom in me. And this is where the gospel comes to bear. Because before it was do, 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 Jesus said, I've done. I am the one who lived that perfect life. I have taken on this role of living that life. Satan tried to tempt him to sin, which he did not. But he's saying, what I will do for you is you must give me your unrighteousness. And once you give me your unrighteousness, I will give you my righteousness. But you need to come to me humbly, repent, and believe. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, you need to love me with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. And I need you to love your neighbor as yourself. He was saying, Exodus 20, those Ten Commandments, those still are in play. Those still are in play, and this is how you do it, by loving me with all your heart, soul, and mind, and by loving your neighbor, by not coveting, by not committing murder, by not stealing. Those are fulfilled. In Christ. Should we fast? Yes. And we fast as a church once a month. But should you fast on your own? And I say yes. We see fasting all throughout Scripture. It's not, Jesus is not saying do not fast. He's saying yes. As in earlier in Matthew but he's saying, do it because you love me. Do it because you want me. And in the Old Testament, they fasted because they were in distress. Armies were coming at them. Repentance is a big thing. If God reveals sin in your life and it's been hard to overcome, fasting is a way of committing to Christ, going, will you purge this from my life? Spiritual strength, overcoming temptation, dedication to God. Fasting is a discipline. Going, body, you do not control me. Me and the Spirit control you. We fast to strengthen our prayers to God. Matthew 17, 21. We fast to show God a love. We fast for guidance, maybe in decision-making. How many of you have a big decision and you come before God for a few days, no food, going, God, will you reveal a decision to me? Or 
you like that old T-shirt, I'm going to make it on my own. I'm going to make this decision. Do you fast to draw closer to God? And one big reason that I have started fasting is to be humble. I can be a very arrogant, prideful person. And fasting shows me how weak I really am. How much I need God. How much I need Him to sustain me. But too many times in my own head, I've got it all figured out. And I go back to that old t-shirt. Cleet knows best. The bridegroom is here. He is coming back. He has been taken away, but he is coming back someday. And we should be praying for that daily, that he would be back soon. It's all about him. You see, there's two kingdoms really at play. We can say we, we live in the United States of America, and we do as a, as a nationality here in the United States, but there's really two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of light, and there's a kingdom of darkness. Are you part of the kingdom of light? Are you part of that kingdom? Or are you part of the kingdom of darkness? And that is why we go out and proclaim the name of Jesus on our streets. That's why at work we can proclaim the name of Jesus because those who are darkened can become children of light and part of God's kingdom. Are you fasting for that? That your neighbor would be part of the kingdom of light? Are you fasting for your friend to become part of the kingdom of light? Are you fasting for your family member to become part of the kingdom of light? There's two ways you can go. You could be full of light, or you could be full of darkness. Jesus is putting a call out to you today. Do you see Him as the true bridegroom? Do you see Him as the one to focus your attention on? Or is your attention focused on yourself? See, when you go to a wedding, you party. When you go to a wedding, you have fun. When you go to a wedding, you celebrate. And Jesus is the one that is the bridegroom that we celebrate even here today. Are you celebrating Him? Or are you here out of an act of piety? This is what I do on Sunday. Or is it out of a love? Jesus. Tomorrow, if you open the Bible, is it an act of piety or is it, I do this out of love for Jesus? If you come out on a Wednesday night, is it out of act of love for Jesus or is it, this is my job, this is what I do? We all must take account of ourselves and our motivations because Jesus would desire, as he says in verse 13, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Do you see yourself as a sinner? Saved 
by grace. And if we do see Jesus as our Savior, what are you doing with that? Are you judging wrongly? Or are you living in the grace that God gives? Would you bow your head with me? Father God, we come to you thanking you for your word. We thank you that you have given us your son. Jesus, we thank you for coming to this earth and dying the death that we deserved. God, I deserve to spend my eternity in hell, but you have made a way for me to rest with you in glory. I could never repay you. I could never repay you. But God, too many times I judge others harshly. I confess that I look at others and try to put myself up against them and think I'm doing so good. But God, my motivations are so off. My motivations are so wrong. God, you should be my focus and focused on myself prideful, arrogant. God, I pray that you would cleanse me from that. That you would remove the pharisaical ways from my life. That I would love like you have loved. That I would dwell with you. God, that I would not just be pious, but God, I would be deeply in love with you and that would affect those around me because I would love them deeply. Jesus, we thank you for your dying on the cross. Because of what you did, we can even ask these things. Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to have a couple pastors.